Hey, Rookie Big Board listener. Before we get to this episode, I want to make sure you know about the 2022 Rookie Guide. Volume 1 is out now. It is over 130 pages, chock full of rookie insight, 90 player profiles, mock drafts, player values, comparison to Devi and Dynasty value, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash the FF Educator and get your copy now. episode 101 of the Rookie Big Board. I'm your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator, and I am fired up on the morning of day two of the NFL Draft, coming off an absolutely chaotic night one of the 2022 NFL Draft. I'm going to use this episode here to give some really raw reactions to what I'm interpreting here for fantasy football purposes from night one of the NFL draft. I have actually gone in here and updated the rookie big board based on updated projections. I have put in rookie projections already, so our patrons uh, at the uh, 300 level or higher actually can go into my projection sheet. I'm working off of that. It's my sheet. You have access to it. working off of it all weekend, and I have seen some folks pop in and off of that last night, Uh, so I, I know folks are using it. So I'm using my updated projections, updated draft capital, uh, and plugging into uh, re-anticipated draft capital for some of the players that I maybe expected to go last night but didn't. And let's start there because it has to be a conversation around the quarterbacks to start. Just one quarterback taken off the board. Y'all, we knew this was a, a relatively weaker quarterback class. We knew the NFL based on demand and need right now with who was picking at the top, was going to be more patient. But there was absolutely no way to anticipate this level of patience. I think what is most surprising to me is that Pittsburgh was able to sit in their original pick spot, be patient, and take Kenny Pickett. Now, I did anticipate Kenny Pickett to be QB1 off the board. I thought the NFL was going to like him best. In terms of pure tape evaluation, I did have Kenny Pickett as the best quarterback here in the 2022 NFL Draft. That being said, I didn't think there was any shot that Pittsburgh was going to be his landing spot if they weren't going to trade up to try and get him. So let's go ahead and take a look at how I think Kenny Pickett actually fits within 
the Pittsburgh offense here. First and foremost, I'm projecting him to be the starter right away. I don't expect Mitch Trubisky to really give him uh, much of a battle in camp. Now, you might hear it. I'm sure we're going to hear, ah, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to battle him. I think they took Kenny Pickett to come in and distribute right away. And I really think that's what he's going to do. You know, I could see Kenny Pickett, you know, throwing the ball. If you look at the past years, right, what Pittsburgh likes to do is Pittsburgh likes to throw the ball a lot. 664 attempts last year with Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I don't expect them to have Kenny Pickett throw the ball quite that much, but I think 575 passing attempts is well within the range of possibilities here. So it's going to be a matter of completion percentage, which I do think Kenny Pickett is ready to come in and start completing passes fairly quickly here. Remember, you've got Deontay Johnson working downfield. He's got Chase Claypool, big target there. And don't sleep on Anthony Miller working out of the slot. I mean, he really could have a little bit of a career resurgence. He's got Pat Fairmuth. He's got Eric Ebron as, as reliable check down tight ends. Reliable tight ends are very good for rookie quarterbacks. And don't sleep on the passing touchdowns that he could get simply from checking the ball down to Najee Harris. So I think this is an idea ideal landing spot for Kenny Pickett. Right now, on the rookie big board, Kenny Pickett is sitting at 103, the third overall in a super flex. So yes, I think we have moved past the point where you are going to anticipate taking a quarterback with the 101. I'm not advocating for taking Kenny Pickett at 101, but Right now, he's sitting as the third overall player on the Superflex rookie big board. However, there's a big caveat here. And so, I know folks are probably already uh, getting a little antsy when I say three. I Right now, a Kenny Walker and Brees Hall are not over Kenny Pickett. I anticipate they will be. They need to actually capture that draft capital, and I need to be able to plug them into the projection before they will actually leapfrog him. But I do expect them to. So... This is a long-winded way of saying, I think Kenny Pickett will land at five overall. So uh, in the Superflex draft, I think 105 is going to be a good spot for Kenny Pickett, a good value point. I could see him falling as low as 106, 107 based on some of the interest in these other wide receivers and potentially if Isaiah Spiller gets a bounce back in value as well. I should put a big caveat on here, and I know I said this was my instant reactions, but I just want to clarify. Things will change a lot through the next two days. I will reassess. I will think through some new concepts. Uh, Pittsburgh may add players. Uh, Malik Willis might fall, but he lands in a spot I really like. There's going to be a ton of movement here. You know, there could be a guy that I really like. We'll talk about Drake London. Maybe Atlanta adds another wide receiver and it gets complicated. Maybe one of these teams trades for Debo. We didn't see Debo get traded last night. You know, so there's a variety of factors. But right now, this moment, Friday morning of day two of the NFL draft, Kenny Pickett is sitting there at 103 and I expect him to land somewhere around the 105. He projects into the weekly starter territory, which is exactly where I thought Kenny Pickett was going to be. I think he's going to be a QB2. I think you could project him year one to be a QB2, and his ceiling is probably a low-end quarterback one, but that's not a bad place to be by any means. Now, the only negative thing I see about this for Kenny Pickett is that Pittsburgh's offensive line is not the best. We want Kenny Pickett to be in a place where he doesn't get too skittish in the pocket. He felt that pressure a little bit too quickly, so I'm a little nervous about that. He, of course, landed in a very tough division with some really good secondaries, so maybe that touchdown-to-interception ratio isn't as good year one as we'd like, 
but I'm excited. Overall, I think it's positive for Kenny Pickett. What it's not positive for is my pre-draft quarterback one, Matt Corral, who heads into day two still on the board, Sam Howell, who heads into day two still on the board, Malik Willis, a lot of people's pre-draft quarterback ones heading into this NFL draft. Malik Willis is still on the board, so it's going to be a really interesting situation here. I want to sit here and tell you that teams are going to you know, trade against each other and push themselves up to go after the quarterbacks, but here's the bottom line. I really think that if teams were anxious or urgent to get a quarterback, they would have pushed up to 31 with the Bengals. They would have tried to push up uh, to 32 with the Minnesota Vikings. They would have tried to push up to 30 or 29. I mean, Kansas City had two picks, right? I know they traded one of them, uh, so they would have, I think it was 30 that they ended up keeping. Uh, So there's a variety of reasons. So that's what I'm saying. You know, does Seattle really want a quarterback uh, or do they just not feel the need to, to press for a certain guy? Does Indianapolis want a quarterback? You might say, yes, that makes a lot of sense, but they also don't have a ton of draft capital down board. Atlanta at 43, do they want to go after and get a quarterback? It's going to be really interesting. Do one of these guys slide into the third round? I mean, there's a variety of options. Minnesota at 46, Washington at 47. But again, why didn't these teams trade up to get that fifth-year rookie contract? We know that's critically important. So, It's going to be interesting, but it's an overall big L for the quarterback class. I mean, we can't try to paint any other picture. We need to be realistic about that. Even as somebody who consistently pushes up the value of quarterbacks in Superflex leagues, and we're going to talk about value a ton. I'm probably still going to end up with Matt Corral and Sam Howell on some on some lineups and potentially Malik Willis too. Like I'm still going to end up with decent exposure for these guys, but we're looking at them likely being round two rookie picks and maybe sneaking into the back end of round one. Obviously, we have a lot of time to hash that out, but we had to start with the quarterback discussion here because that's really the meat and potatoes of the reactions from last night. So just seven fantasy players taken overall, I think also says something about that. Now there's a variety of factors that go into that. The quarterbacks being a big part of it. No running back was able to push into the first round. That's not super surprising. I think some folks thought uh, were really hanging on to the idea that Brees Hall was going to go in round one. He ends up, uh, Buffalo ends up trading up, but not for Brees Hall. And we kind of knew as soon as they traded up, running back wasn't going to be the move so only seven fantasy players total there was the one quarterback and it was the six wide receivers and my goodness the six wide receivers were the absolute storylines of last night before we get into the wide receivers I think we should briefly touch on the running backs and where we could see them coming off the board you look at the top of the second round as it currently sits Not a lot of action, I think, or demand at the top, top of it. Uh, Houston sitting there at 37 is still screaming running back to me. Now, they certainly could wait to 68, but I don't think that they want to go in uh, and end up with Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, especially with Lovey Smith, who I think is going to want to run the ball a lot. So they have 37, they have 68, they have 80. Out of one of those three picks, you'd have to think that they end up with a running back. And that's good draft capital, right, for one of these running backs. And remember this, we've talked about this a ton, but it bears some repeating. For me, my draft capital buckets are 1 through 10, 10 through 20, and 20 through 50. We'll talk about that breakdown a little bit more with the wide receivers here in a second. But there, So I, I mentioned that to say, 
Whether a, a running back had gone to Buffalo at 25 if they had stayed in their original spot last night, or whether they had gone to New England at 21, or whether they go to the Saints at 49 or Kansas City at 50, they are getting the same draft capital evaluation for me, right? These are players that the NFL values highly, they see as probable starters at the next level, but they do not consider to be first-round locked-and-loaded picks, right? Remember, the NFL does not consider there to be 32 first-round picks every year. General consensus, most teams have somewhere between 16 to 20 uh, first-round picks, first-round players uh, on their board each and every year. I do 20 because it gives a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a, of a range to cover for when there is a stronger class. So, you know, you look at it this year, whether a, a running back goes 37 at Houston, which is the spot I've identified here, the New York Jets at 38. I know they traded around a lot. I think maybe 35 is the pick they still have. Seattle, I think would be not the smartest move, but I could Seattle going running back at 41, Atlanta at 43. There's a lot of options here. Uh, Washington brought in a lot of running backs. Could Washington take one at 47? All of those guys would fall into that bucket. And I do still project Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall to go off in that bucket. I would not be shocked if Isaiah Spiller sneaks in. Especially if we see an early run, say maybe the Jets and Texans do go running back. You could see Atlanta push for Isaiah Spiller. You could see Washington push for Isaiah Spiller. So we have the potential of those running backs kind of cascading off the board pretty quickly here tonight for day two of the NFL draft. And then past that, we're going to see a ton, a ton of running back action, 50 to 102. But we're not recapping day two. We'll do that tomorrow. Just wanted to get a little running back talk in there at least. Uh, this is this is the make or break day for running backs. This is my last point before we move on to wide receivers here. This is the make or break day for a lot of running backs in a lot of people's eyes. I had to add that caveat. That was a little bit of a tease. In a lot of people's eyes because there's that kind of that line between day one and day two draft capital. So I'm just putting this out here now. If you really like a running back, right? If you are on um, somebody who I project to go day two, like Jerome Ford or Zamir White or Brian Robinson or Rashad White, and you love these guys, right? You're these these are the guys. Like, okay, here's the example. I'm locked in on Jerome Ford, right? That's my running back four right now. That's my guy. I really like Zamir White. That's my guy. I need him to get the NFL draft capital, though. That's a little different because of injury, right? But if you look at Jerome Ford, if he ends up sliding to day three, you don't have to tilt pivot. You don't have to totally give up on your guy. Reassess the value. Maybe try to get him a little bit cheaper. But, you know, you, you look at last year. I always try to look at previous years. And, and I actually keep rookie production a, a whole kind of sheet for it from the last, uh, you know, several years. But last year specifically, Michael Carter, Elijah Mitchell, I mean, these are day three running back selections. And so these are guys who people really liked going in, and some people uh, pivoted off of them because of draft capital. So, uh, you know, you have to reassess value, you have to be smart about it, but don't totally tilt off of your running back if you really love him and he doesn't go in day two. Wide receiver, I know this is what everybody came to get some instant reactions of. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know. I guess I will try. You know what? I'm going to go in order of how I have reordered these guys. And what's, I think, really cool, too, I added a column on the Rookie Big Board itself uh, for Rookie Big Board change. So you can actually, or RBBR change, Rookie Big Board rating change. So you can actually see how I've adjusted uh, the scores for different players uh, based on their their landing spot. 
updated projection. Everything that goes in uh, is, is kind of updated here. And I'm going to kind of talk through the process. And wide receiver projections especially are super fluid. But off the bat, I mean, Drake London captures top 10 draft capital. I had Drake London moved all around in draft capital pre-draft. The very beginning, I had him as a top 10 pick. I talked myself out of that, and I had him hanging out in this bucket with all the other wide receivers, which was 10 through 20 for a long time. And then very late, I had kind of, you know, just gotten rumblings, just gotten word when I was plugging into mock drafts. You know, I really said, if he doesn't go to Atlanta at 8 or the Jets at 10, I could just really see him based on fit slipping into the 20 to 50 bucket. So Drake London ended up being the biggest riser because I actually had him in that 20 to 50 bucket pre-draft. And I started in the 1 through 10 and I talked myself out of it over the course of several months. But he gets a huge jump back up. And right now, this moment, and I want to emphasize this moment because it literally could change as soon as I'm done recording because <laughs> it's very close. Right now, Drake London is my wide receiver one. And it even, uh, it's so exciting to say, but it also feels a little gross to say. Here's where I'm at with Drake London. He's, he's stepping into a large market share. And at the end of the day, that volume projection is going to be king for me, right? But it's not just volume. I'm at 105 targets right now, so actually not the highest projected volume for these rookies. I'm at a 68% catch percentage. He had a good catch percentage uh, in, in college for what he was working with in terms of quarterback and accuracy, and I know some folks might be a little nervous about Marcus Mariota. But I actually think Marcus Mariota and Drake London make a really good combination. I think they complement their skill set. Here's going to be the difference. Uh, I'm a little worried about yards per reception. Uh, I have Drake London with a little bit higher of a projection here, 14.5. That fits his skill set. But I actually think with Marcus Mariota, I might have to cut that back a little bit. That doesn't hugely affect the projection. The seven receiving touchdowns. I went back and forth on this number, started at five, I went up to eight, I landed at seven. It, there's, a, there's a range. I feel like five to eight touchdowns is a good, safe range because I think he is the, the touchdown guy, along with Kyle Pitts, of course. Uh, you know, I'm not knocking Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, you know, only had one touchdown his rookie season, but in, his, in my projection, I bumped him up to five. So I'm not, you know, holding that against him. But I do think Drake London is going to be the touchdown guy. So I think he could go uh, 1,000 plus yards. I think he can go 100 plus targets. And I think he can go seven touchdowns. And that's going to make for a overall uh, wide receiver right now. Want to make sure I get this right. He's sitting right there in, in uh, mid, mid-range wide receiver two, wide receiver 22. So actually low-end wide receiver range. But if you look at the difference between wide receiver 16 and 22, it's essentially the same number. Uh, but... The long-term projection is also where Drake London gets a little bit of a bump. It's a situation where I like it right away, and it has the potential to significantly improve over time. So that is where Drake London, currently at an 8.1 RBBR, just one spot ahead of Chris Alave, who is still the wide receiver one, I think, for me on tape. I think he's probably still going to end up the wide receiver one, but he had no change because I projected Chris Alave to be a 10 through 20 selection. He ends up going pick 11, right? I projected Chris Alave to land in a high volume role because I thought that an NFL team was really going to like him. So where I think a lot of folks have probably bumped Chris Alave up, he was already there for me, 
right? Chris Olave is going to be the guy I have the most exposure of, right? So regardless of whether he's my wide receiver one, he is my wide receiver one in a lot of ways, right? I really like Chris Olave, and his fit with the Saints is fantastic. And I do want to emphasize, it's fantastic. Right now, he is my highest projected rookie wide receiver. And they're close right now. It's Chris Olave uh, in terms of seasonal 2021 season or 2022 season. Sorry, sorry. It's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London in that order. We'll get to Garrett Wilson, uh, but Chris Olave himself. I really like it in terms of volume. I have 110 targets. Honestly, that might be conservative. I might bump Chris Olave up from that, which I know sounds super aggressive, but. I think he's going to stretch the field. I think he's going to get touchdowns. I think he's going to lead the Saints in touchdowns. I'm at eight. It's a little bullish. But listen, Jameis Winston, Huckett Chuck at football is not actually bad for Chris Olave, right? Not comparing their skill sets at all. But they can both stretch the deep field, right? And Huckett Chuck at football was pretty dang good for Mike Evans. It was pretty dang good when Winston was hucking that ball deep because it led to touchdown production. So I have Chris Olave at 65% catch percentage. That's lower than I would project Chris Olave with a quarterback that I felt comfortable with. But I don't have to feel comfortable with him because I'm going to have the targets and I'm going to have the touchdowns, right? And if you want to talk about a situation that can improve over time, you have a really good foundation with the Saints and the opportunity the Saints can attract in the future a free agent veteran quarterback that is a little bit more uh, of a higher tier, a higher consistency than Jameis Winston, or they have the potential to invest in a young quarterback here in next year's draft. Obviously, there's going to need to be some maneuvering because I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but I also don't think they're going to be a great team still. Um, So a lot, and you have, you know, certainly Alvin Kamara there opening up the offense a little bit. You have Michael Thomas potentially back, pulling potentially top coverage. If Michael Thomas is back and pulling top coverage off of Chris Olave, then that's also going to be very helpful to him. So Chris Olave is very much, and he's sitting there at an 8 RBBR. So Chris Olave and Drake Wilson, or Drake London, sorry, both in that league winner tier for me. And then it's Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, another guy who's RBBR, I uh, believe did not change at all. Let me just double check that. It went down 0.1. It's very normal, by the way, for the RBBR to slightly drop just because I project uh, with you know a little bit extra confidence throughout the process. But you look at Garrett Wilson, captured that, that draft capital that we love to see. Uh, very much uh, a good fit there with the Jets going to be, um, so I will say the only thing about the Jets is that it's getting a little crowded there. It, it kind of is. I, I know that sounds kind of wild, but you have Elijah Moore who, who captures a lot of volume. You have Corey Davis, who's going to get his targets in his own right. And then you have Garrett Wilson. So I think there's room for all of them. I think they want to throw the ball more with Zach Wilson, but you know, just saying a little bit of a, of a proceeding with caution there, but I, I like Garrett Wilson a ton. I, I think, you know, he very well could as things shake out here and we kind of clean them up. He could sneak into that league winner tier as well. He's just below in that high, high end weekly starter tier. Remember, league winner are wide receivers that I project to be wide receiver ones over the course of their first three years. Garrett Wilson is in that weekly starter tier, which are guys that I I project to be wide receiver twos over their first three years. Traylon Burks is the next wide receiver up for me. I have to say, I'm really conflicted about the Traylon Burks uh, landing spot. I like it. 
in terms of volume. And I just mentioned volume is king, right? He doesn't really have anybody else pulling volume from him, especially with Robert Woods, who may not be back right away, right? So there's opportunity for Traylon Burks. Right now, I have him at 113 targets. There's opportunity for him to potentially get 130 targets. Where I'm worried, I think he's going to have a low dot. I think he is going to uh, really get a lot of action at the line. Question for Traylon Burks is going to be, does Tennessee want to use him as a running back? Do they want to use him quasi-Debo-like? Because if he gets 50 carries, all of a sudden he's a different fantasy football player. So, although I am actually knocking Traylon Burks a little bit in my initial reaction here, I don't blame you if you were in on Traylon Burks before and you want to keep being in on Traylon Burks or even more excited about him. It's just when I actually plug him into the numbers... Currently, my my numbers, my projections don't like it, but that could change, obviously. Jamison Williams to the Detroit Lions. Jamison Williams, we knew, was going to be a little bit of a complicated case, right? For me, Jamison Williams, it's a good landing spot. I like the way he could stretch the field. We know at some point Detroit is going to heavily invest in the quarterback position. You just have to be okay, as always. We've been talking about this with Jamison Williams not playing until late October at the earliest, early November. You're you're taking a redshirt year. Jamison Williams will see the field. For, for, for your fantasy football team, you have to be okay with your first-round selection taking a red shirt year. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be fine with that, but because of that, in this talented group, he's going to end up right now as wide receiver five for me. Um, by the way, he is tied technically in RBBR with Traylon Burks right now, so you could consider them to be at a very similar, if not the same value point. I think uh, another, not I think, another huge riser here and potentially the largest riser, and let me just cross-check my sheet here, just just about the same uh, rise here uh, as Drake London, just in terms of overall RBBR, is Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson gets a .3 increase in RBBR. He goes from a borderline weekly starter to a really solidified weekly starter, wide receiver two. I do think that there's a little bit of projection here for Jahan Dotson. If Carson Wentz gets back to peak Carson Wentz, and that's really going to help him, but he's getting a big bump for draft capital. I think even Jahan Dotson enthusiasts, which I would consider myself to be had him in that 20 to 50 range at best so for him to get 10 to 20 draft capital that's a really really nice bump for Jahan Dotson so you have to be happy about it if you're a Dotson truther I think in a super flex league even Jahan Dotson is a solidified first round selection let's see if one or two of these quarterbacks ends up being preferred over him we still have George Pickens we still have Sky Moore who could potentially you know be taken over Jahan Dotson based on the preference of individuals so there's opportunity there. No tight ends off the board. Uh, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, no tight ends off the board in day one of the NFL draft. I don't think that was a surprise for anybody. I'm not sure when we get our first tight end tonight. I'm really not. If you look down the board, there's not an obvious spot for it. Trey McBride is probably going to be that guy, but I'm just saying this right now. I've said it multiple times. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't be shocked if it's Jeremy Rucker as the first tight end off the board. Don't be shocked if the Jets pull the trigger earlier than you might expect. I love that fit. Cincinnati might target him at 63, and the Giants are probably going to take a tight end at 67 or 81. So I I do anticipate there's probably going to be three tight ends taken tonight. I would say Trey McBride 
did uh, Greg Dolchich go tonight uh, and Jeremy Rucker with the surprise of a fourth tight end, but probably three. That feels a lot better. So that's kind of my uh, very raw reactions here, just talking through night one of the NFL draft. It's actually a little bit of a longer episode. I thought it was going to be a quick episode, so I guess I got to rambling. I appreciate uh, everybody listening in here. And by the way, for patrons uh, specifically here, we did a draft hangout last night that was so fun. We got in the Discord channel, and we had no agenda. We were just chopping it up, reacting to the picks live. We were only planning on doing night one. It was so fun that we're going to do it again tonight uh, So on Nate 2. So if you are in the Discord channel, the draft hangout chat, it's the voice chat. We're going to just pop in there tonight. Again, very low-key. Listen, if you're not in on the Patreon already, I don't even think I should pitch it because I feel like we have... I've given you everything here. A rookie guide that's going to be updated, a full projection sheet, the full rookie big board that I've been talking through, access to the Discord channel. It's just 3 bucks a month. If you're not in on it yet, I mean, we have the on-the-clock advice. We have one-on-one draft consultations for the rookie drafts. This is the spot to be if you want to dominate your rookie drafts this year and you're you know, trying to work through and process everything that we've talked about here on this episode and everything that's going to happen on day two and day three of the NFL draft. It's Patreon com slash the ff educator i would love to have you a part of it as always i appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board